This podcast contains material that may not be suitable for children or those of lesser constitutions. Listener discretion is advised. And now, go f*** yourself. You know what I do miss? I do miss the little pop, pop fizz. But uh, and it doesn't sound it doesn't sound the same if we if I layer it in later post. Yeah, it's not as good post show. So here's to here's to the pop fizz that will never be heard again. That's not true. It might That's still not be true at all. Point. But uh, anyway, welcome to another episode of the Innocuous Bastards. For those of you just now hearing us. Welcome to the Lunacy. For those of you who are returning, Edgar, we really appreciate it. Again, before we proceed, just want to make sure that everybody knows that um, there will be there could be explicit content here. So listener discretion advised, just like the lady at the beginning of the of the episode said. Also, just want to say that uh, content here is uh, does not reflect our respective employers and is obviously sponsored by alcohol. Today, it's the claw for me. What are you drinking, Mac? Uh, just a couple. Uh, well, we went to the winery yesterday. Uh, it's called White Yeast um, Winery Vineyards. Uh, unwitting sponsor now of the show, and uh, and I didn't think the show was good enough to to waste the good wine on. So I went and got some cheap wine, little ones here. So that's kind of what I'm doing. So just to confirm, you're not drinking the Y Yeast. Correct. Okay. It's Which, drinking at uh, Menage a Trois. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's definitely not classy at all. AG, what's your uh, libation of choice today? Uh, my libation so far today is a fine tap water. And I'm just getting silly with it. Okay. You know, you don't know what they put in the tap anymore. I think they still put fluoride here in Portland. I don't know. Or something. There's additives here in Portland water. I don't know. That sounds like some sort of conspiracy theory to me. <laughs> but uh, but hey, nothing's nothing's bad about tap water. This damn fine t- tap water here in Oregon. I mean, it's mountain grown, I think, and something like that. And uh, Mac, I'm sure they told you at the at the winery. But do you know what Y East is? That's yeah, the original name. Well, it's the the name of the uh, as it's known for uh, crackers is. Mount Hood. <laughs> yep, it's the native name, the indigenous name for Y East. Although I don't understand the apostrophe. Um, Not like either. Natives invent the apostrophe. <laughs> I guess it's how they say it. It would be Y East, Y East. Well, Little here's Clayton. I have a beef. I have a beef with the Alane Casino. Oh. Yeah, Alani. You mean? Right. Exactly my point. Why are you, why are you retrofitting the pronunciation of the letter I twice in your it's name? It's very confusing. Just do it right. That's all I'm saying. Just do it right. There's no other examples of an A sounding of an I sounding like an A anywhere. So I'm There's boycotting no. for that reason. And also, I don't live near there. So <laughs> wait. But was- also, it's a casino, and they're kind of gross, and you know they smell like smoke and all that kind of good stuff too. So. And just out of curiosity, AG, who exactly are you uh, boycotting? The casino. Okay. Not the people who came up with the name ILNA. 
Well, I mean, it's hard to boycott a people. I mean, that, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know if I feel comfortable with that. It's more of the, the, uh, the naming convention there it just blows my mind. Like, if you're going to use the language, use it correctly. So, I don't know. That's just a personal beef I have. But I uh, wish them well. <laughs> and enjoy enjoy your bad name. How about that? It, it is a terrible name. God. Oh, it's, it, and it's great because, ironically, it is Native American Heritage Month uh, right now. So, we oh, just great. basically... We basically just honored them in the last five minutes here. But uh, how is honored them? How's it going in your neck of the woods, uh, AG? Uh, it's going fine. You know, it's we're back into a for our area. It's a two week freeze, and that means no video poker, which is like one of the only things to do down here. But uh, I mean, it's, it's not a big complaint I have. I, you know, I am on board with, you know, a little more stringent measures to stop this spread because pe clearly people are, you know, left to their own devices are just going to go out there and not maybe, maybe you're wearing a mask, maybe you're not wearing a mask. But the fact is, is you're mingling with a bunch of other people, there's still going to be a chance of transmission. So, Having a saying there's a chance. I am saying that. So <laughs> I'm okay with it as long as my Noma is looking at four weeks. Yeah, it's already it's already happening. Yeah. Two weeks down here, supposedly. And I don't know that anybody either in Portland or anywhere else is really giving much credence to the fact that this is only going to be two weeks or it's only going to be four weeks. I mean, this is really the, the start of, you know, trying to tamp this down and we'll just see what happens at the end of four weeks or two weeks. You know, it's could very well get extended. Yeah, it will. It will be definitely, extended. It definitely will be extended. There's, it makes no sense to just stop over the, over those at the end of that four weeks, really. Um, especially since I'm pretty much prognosticating that it doesn't, it's not going to matter. The cases will continue to rise, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Mac, how's it going in your neck of the woods? I mean, as good as it can be, I guess it's, again, it is kind of back to square one. They didn't quite go back to hundred percent of, of uh, square one because they're allowing certain things. Uh, but, you know, I think that's, that's the, it's what, it's what we've got to do. I know uh, there's a lot of folks who are upset that we're having to go back to doing it, but it's, it's because, uh, you know, the majority of us failed to achieve even in the modest task that was our charge, which was to stay away from one another, uh, to wear masks, to, to, to not gather together, whether it's in uh family gatherings, which is very difficult for some, you know, because that's their only outlet, I guess, but, you know, the restaurants and bars and those, those types of things, I feel really bad for them uh, because yeah, I mean, a lot of them are going to be closing, closing for good. Uh, those, those jobs are going to come back, but you know, you just keep pushing through and hoping that uh, the people will do the right thing. I'm a little worried about the up, the upcoming holiday here. We're a few days away 
from Thanksgiving and that's a big one. It's a big one for me, but even with my, my son's not coming over this year because he, uh, he's, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. He's making life choices. He's, he's gonna, he likes to play music with his friends and I don't know where his, friend, I don't know where his friends have been. I don't know where he's been. And because of that, it's just going to be just this small family, uh, just us here this year. It's not going to be anything else. Yep. Definitely. Hear both of you on that one for sure. Um, I know that I've gotten some flack on the interwebs for expressing my support of restaurants and bars remaining open. Um, really come, but I was really coming from, you know, the fact that I do know a, a, a number of restaurateurs and they are, you know, they're definitely being directly impacted by the ongoing pandemic. And it pains me even more that they are falling victim to the ordinances, especially when I can see from my, my own self the lengths that they go through to uh, ensure safety and, um, you know, and, and health in their own establishments. Totally understand that, of course, what happens after that, we're, I'm not aware of, you know, um, it definitely did not make me feel good when I learned that contact tracers don't even ask about, you know, in, in spite of the contact tracing calls apparently lasting anywhere between an hour to 90 minutes, they don't even ask about where, you know, whether they visited a particular restaurant or not, it's not even part of the question. Uh, I think yeah. there's just a general <laughs> assumption because of the gatherings of people. And I get that, totally get that. It's just, like I said, I was coming from a place of uh, watching my, you know, not really necessarily friends, but acquaintances, businesses basically die um, and, and not being able to do anything about it. But certainly is not, you know, it's not the, 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 Best thing to happen, especially during this time of year. I am worried, though, and I'd love to get your opinion, AG, in terms of just the timing of it. If the ordinance to stay home is actually potentially going to do more harm than good, as people um, potentially would gather in um, uh, outside of just their households, because it's not necessarily an enforceable, an enforceable ordinance. Uh, I don't. I don't know that it isn't enforceable. I think that I thought that Kate Brown had said something about that. You know, this is something you can get cited for. Now, whether local law enforcement is actually going to follow up on that, I don't know. I've actually read something that says I don't know if it was Multnomah or some other, you know, fairly populated county that says we're just not going to do it. And you know, that's fine. Um, but, you know, some of this is just going to have to hit people where it hurts for them to take it seriously. So you see the anti-maskers, you know, there's anti-vaxxers and now there's anti-maskers uh, up in Salem protesting that you can't make me wear a, a mask. And I think what these people are, again, are missing the point is not that government's trying to make you do it. It's that you're. You should be doing this out of the goodness of your heart and the well-being of other people around you. So, it, I mean, it's just like it should be basically a common courtesy. And you have these people out there saying, I'm not going to be cur courteous. 
And it's just, I mean, I think once we get a little distance from this day and age, some of this is really going to shine a bad light on people that don't wear masks, that are support, you know, you know who. And so there's going to be a, a historical reckoning down the line for this type of slow walking passive aggressiveness of like, I'm not going to do this one very simple, very easy thing to look out for my fellow citizens. So, you know, just, I just, I can't stress it enough to just do it. It doesn't hurt anything. And, you know, just show that you have some common respect for other people's well-being. Yeah. And even on that, I mean, I think, you know, it's not passive aggressive. It's aggressively stupid what the people are doing uh, for some misguided uh, attempt to, to claim it's a, it's infringing on their rights and their freedoms and all this other bullshit. You know, they, you know, I don't really care about this. This, this, this people want to go to and have COVID parties and get all whatever, let them do it. I mean, they're, what they're going to do is, is that they're going to find that the hospitals are going to be overrun. Uh, the, the, ICU beds are going to be gone. There's not going to be any ventilators for these people. And, and by the way, the uh, uh, the vaccines, which look promising, aren't going to be ready for those uh, a lot of these people until April. So you know, between now and April, people just need to do, as you said, it's the bare minimum that we're asking them to do is just to look out for your fellow human being, and and they they can't be bothered to do that. So fuck them. On the other side of it, uh, what Amada was talking about, the, uh, the restaurant and bars and all these, they're doing the best that they can and all these, they have all these precautions in place. I just heard on the, the, the radio the other day that there was a, or actually it was on CNN actually, we were talking about a cruise ship that had just tried to reopen and they had all the precautions in place. There's a huge ship, only 53 people were on it. Uh, a lot of journalists and things because it's kind of supposed to be a grand re-entry into the cruise business. And they, you know, they had all these things. They had testing, they had the social distancing, they had everything. And after about, uh, it wasn't quite a week, someone tested positive on the cruise and it ruined the entire thing. So you can have all the best, in, you know, all the best intentions in the world as a, a business owner, but you can't stop is the, is the human factor and human factor will end up uh, doing things that are not good for the rest of us. It's just, it, it, it is what it is. People don't want to follow along. And even if you have 99% of the people doing what they're supposed to do, there's still going to be that 1% of people who are going to, who are going to be, uh, you know, weak, uh, or get drunk or whatever happens to be. And then they're, they're not going to follow through with what they're supposed to do. So that's the reason why I'm just, you know, I, there's plenty of evidence to, suggest that the the main reasons family gathering small family gatherings large family gatherings or gatherings over a certain amount uh bars and restaurants those types of places are where people are going to spread that because they're not wearing masks when they're drinking and if they're eating anything they're sure as hell aren't wearing masks so it you know the, the social distancing i think provides a false sense of security when you're indoors somewhere not in, in an outdoor situation and we've gone to the 21st Avenue. I, I kind of like the setup that they have there where it was really well spaced out. Um, 
and I felt pretty safe there, but you can't do that. I mean, not every business can do that. It's kind of a one-off kind of thing. Yeah, not every business can do that. And when they do do that, I doubt that they, it was with the government support with the outside of, outside of allowing the businesses to, to take up parking spots in order for them to extend their outdoor seating. But yeah. by and large, those businesses spend their own you know, business money in order to put those things together. So it's a little disheartening, especially in Multnomah County, when all of a sudden they're told, oh, okay, well, you know, I'm glad you put your outdoor seating uh, plan in place, but guess what? You still can't use it, at least for four weeks. So I think that's that's kind of, again, that's the disheartening piece. And the thing that also is a little hard to swallow, a pill that's hard to swallow is that, why is there such disparity among among states? So in Washington state, there the outdoor dining is still allowed. I mean, nobody wants to probably dine right now because it's like 34 degrees outside, but still there's outdoor dining that's available off, off state. So all people have to do in Portland is go to Vancouver and enjoy outdoor dining. And it's kind of the same self-propagating thing, potentially, because they're potentially bringing the virus back to across the Columbian into, into Portland and into Multnomah County. I don't know. It's just, um, it's just crazy how this, this parent, uh, it seems the, the way states are, are, are implementing their, their safety plans and how, you know, again, from a, from an impact standpoint to the consumer and impact standpoint to the business owners, um, it's, it's not the same. But, well, I think, again, you look at it, it's because we have a lack of a national plan because of the orange one. Uh, just, just still doing his thing. There's a diarrhea of the mouth every day. And, you know, I, I don't want to talk about him too much because, honestly, it's just, it's, I am so done with it. And I think most of America is done with it. I was hearing, I was reading today that there was a, a, a pre-recorded message that he gave to the G20. Uh, it was that on the, on the very first day of it. And it was just him railing about the Paris Accord and uh, the people would, they were watching it for a few minutes and they just sort of turned their backs and just sort of walked away. It was like, yeah, okay, we're, we're kind of done with this guy. And, you know, I think that's, that's kind of the, uh, you know, the rest of America other than his, his core weirdo supporters. Uh, and, you know, as soon as we get past January 20th, things will start getting a little bit different, but I think the, the biggest thing they got to do is they got to get the stimulus um, for small businesses and they have to have a national plan and guide and guidelines for how businesses should react. And that's, that's the reason why you have states sort of making stuff up as they go, because there hasn't been any national guidelines. The, the CDC has them, but you know, they're, they're not promoted. So once we get to that point, we may start to see a little bit more normalcy as far as how things go. Well, in terms of the national guideline, I think Fauci and or the CDC or whoever, I can't remember who ex exactly said it, but it, they said that if 95% of the, of the population wore masks um, out, you know, outside as they're doing their business, et cetera, and in businesses and, and all that, I think it, it, it decreases the, the spread in a dramatic fashion that uh, would, you know, basically downgrade the downgrade this well i don't know if you can really downgrade a pandemic to an epidemic unless it's just limited to just one country i think that the definition of pandemic if it's happening in more than one country i think right so let's say let's say we downplay it here in the u.s i mean everywhere else it has to be downplayed too um so before it to be to not become a pandemic but i think people are stuck with the, with the with the with the p word people are stuck with that pandemic 
where nothing. Oh, I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> and that's where, <laughs> and I think that's mind. where that's where a lot of things are are kind of stemming from. You know, you got you got the pandemic fatigue that people feel right now, nine months in, um, and so um, following government guidelines really has, you know, the 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 possibility of that is worn thin for a lot of people. But then again, it's like I said, it's self, uh, it's almost like self propagating that that if you don't follow it, then of course we're going to continue to spread the virus and then we're back at square one every three months or whatever. I don't know. I mean, it's, it does seem, it does seem kind of, um, kind of pointless sometimes, but I do know, I do know, and I do believe that we do want to make sure that we follow the guidelines as, as best as we can. I mean, I still, walk around town, you know, my walks, I just went on a two hour walk this morning. And, you know, for the most part, I kept my mask on. But when there's nobody around, because, you know, I, I do have my mask up, but for the most part, I have my mask on. Because I think it's just, I don't know, it's just something that I've gotten accustomed to doing. It is going to be interesting, though. Once, once we've curbed this pandemic, and we've, and we got it to the to a great point, And after the vaccine has been proven, effective and you know a good percentage of the world population has been vaccinated uh there's those that, that will say that they won't be vaccinated and i guess that's part of the anti-vax movement but let's say we do curb this and it becomes just an you know one of those things that, that we experience on a yearly basis just like the common flu how much how much of the mask culture here in the u.s will remain uh is i think that's something that i've, I've always been fascinated in learning had a talk with a buddy of mine this morning about it I just feel like it's not going to be as much of a of a U.S. culture as I think, or at least that I would like um, post-COVID. What are your thoughts on that, Ag? Yeah, I think you're right. It's like once the um, transmission rate or whatever you want to call it has dropped, and the cases go down to you know a minimal amount, that people are going to not wear the mask. I mean. And I, I, I honestly, I probably would be the same way once we get, you know, if we get this under control, mask is not going to be part of my permanent repertoire and I, and it's not going to work. And like, I don't know if you guys, have you guys gone to a bank lately? Have you had to go into a bank? Well, banks now are requiring at least the one I, down here is they require you make an appointment. Mm. So and this makes sense because then they know who's coming to the door that's wearing a mask. So that kind of thing, there's going to have to be some kind of middle ground as far as common wear, common uh, usage of a mask versus, you know, free access to businesses. So right now everybody's wearing a mask. So there are all these sort of contingency plans, like I'm saying with the bank. You have to you have to let them know you're coming, and then they'll open the door. And this could be applied to other businesses as well. Um, but the, it'll go away. It absolutely will go away once this is, you know, in a manageable state. I think. And and you know, there's already people kind of. You'll see people wearing masks, and they put it. You know, they leave their nose uncovered. Or I've seen this a few times where somebody is in a business and they're asked, "Hey, can you put your mask over your nose?" And they do it. And then the person that asked them walks out of the room, they pull it back down. So, you know, there's, there's a high appetite to not wear masks in this country. Mac, before you, before I get your thoughts on that, I noticed that you've changed your background 
uh, again, uh, it was one bar before, now it's another bar. What, which bar is this one? Sandy Hat. Ah, the HS. That's a good picture. Pre-renovation. Pre-renovation Andy Slot. Which is really, I mean, I don't consider the one now to be the Andy Slot anymore. That's just whatever they're going to call that. Uh, It's fine. They can use the same name, but it's definitely not the same. Uh, I think the photo before that was the Joe's, Joe's Cellar. Another... uh, pretty good place uh you know i think those those are the places that i i certainly miss uh going to um and you certainly miss that that things the way things used to be uh i disagree with you guys a little bit on the on the mask thing i know i'm going to continue to wear masks when i am in uh public spaces with a lot of people I'm not going to stop doing that. The reason why is I haven't been, I haven't had a cold or a flu. And I say that now I'm probably going to get one, but um, since November of last year and, and I've been around people and, and the, the height, I don't want to get sick, whether it's a cold or flu or COVID, I'd rather not. So to me, I'm going to continue to you, you utilize the mask and, you know, if people don't like it. I don't really give a fuck. They can, they can do whatever they want, uh, but I'm going to continue to do it. And I think people will have the PTSD behind it enough. I think we're going to see, unfortunately, you know, enough people die in the next several months that, you know, this is the seminal moment. This is the 9-11, I guess you could say, but on a much worse scale of this generation. And so I think you'll see uh, it'll endure. It, it may not be, it's, it's, you know, it's not going to be the way it is now, every, you know, everybody using it, but. You know, if I go to a Blazers game in the future, I'm going to wear a mask when I go to the Blazers game. Uh, if there is something, there's some event that I'm going to go to, I'm going to be wearing a mask. And it's just because uh, it's the safe thing to do. It's the right thing to do for to protect other people around us. And I think that, you know, Americans and I think the Europeans will, will, will stay with it longer, but the American people are going to have to get over this idea that uh, this individualism thing uh, at some point is actually has diminishing returns when it comes to health and health and health and health care. So I, I think there will be, yeah, it won't be as prevalent as it is now. You aren't, you're not going to see businesses, re, uh, they're going to be requiring it, but I think you'll see more people than not. I used to see somebody with a, a mask on and it would primarily be someone from uh, maybe China. I don't know for sure, but and uh, you know, one of the countries in, in you know, Asia, and you think, oh, that's weird. Now it didn't seem weird to me anymore at all. It's like, well, shit, they had it right the whole time. It makes it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, and that's where I'm coming from with Asian countries that have been using masks um, in in public for a while, for a long time, with the premise that they're protecting other people from getting sick because they themselves are sick, and but if they're not sick enough to remain at home they can still be productive productive the mask is to protect other people i don't see that being definitely prevalent here in the u.s because of how masks were introduced to the u.s culture in japan and asia you know and china and other parts of asia it's already been bred in you know from from the moment they were you know they were born that hey this is part of our culture is to protect other people 
here it's you have to wear a mask you have to wear a mask and when you we all know that when somebody's told what they that what they have to do there's always going to be that sense of rebelliousness that uh, against that very thing we already see it with the anti-maskers so to me the only possible for me that one of the main one of the main reasons why it could become part of the the american culture is if it was approached in a different way um the american culture was just not was just not going to be re receiving you know rece re receptive to it from the very get-go because of how it was presented i feel well that's the thing you're right because it was it was presented as though it was uh unpatriotic and un-american and you don't need it and it's weak and if it would have just would have been presented in it's, this is patriotic duty as as they were trying to do you know you you, you know you've got the uh national production uh defense production act you had an awesome opportunity right there to say hey this is our world war ii we could save a lot of lives you know you could uh, if you want to wear it with your idiotic uh stars and bars on there you can go ahead and do that too whatever as long as it's saving people's lives and again and, but instead it was presented uh as something that is is bad and weak and wrong and it's the government telling you what to do and again you just have to change the messages just a little bit yeah definitely did not help that the uh orange one uh was anti-esque anti-mask from the get-go um whether he had to say it or not, it was just his action spoke louder than his words in that sense. And so we were definitely not here in this country, not set up correctly from the get go. And, and I blame I definitely blame that guy uh, for it. But COVID is here to stay for a little bit. I'm not really sure exactly what the four week pause will really hope to hope to do. Um, truly hoping that the metrics do prove that it's something that is useful. Um, but then again, that could have a, a different effect too. If, if they're saying that it's useful, then hey, let's just continue the freeze. So uh, I don't know. It's a it's a it's a good and bad type of thing. I definitely am all for curbing this. I'm all for making sure that this becomes just another, you know, uh, entry in in the history books. That's something that went through the U.S. through the world in 2020. Um, but you know, but certainly something that we uh, curbed. Um, uh, at some point, hopefully very soon, because I don't know, I truly don't know if this is something, not necessarily the pandemic and the virus, but the way the way governments and, and everybody's reacting to it, good and bad. I really don't know if I can, how much longer I, I can take of of that. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like we're, we're, the U.S. is almost like at a powder keg right now. Any single thing would set, would set it off. But enough about the virus. And I know, Mac, you said that you don't want to talk about a certain someone. Uh, I don't want to mention his name. Well, maybe He's not necessarily mention his name, but I do. I do. Want, now. I do want to get your your uh, um, you guys's insights regarding just the just the ongoing legal battles and and where we're at right now before the electoral vote on the on December fourteenth. Like to get your uh, thoughts on that, and we'll get that we'll get to that when we come back from break. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash innocuousbastards. Find us on Twitter as at innocbastards. Or follow our blog at innocuousbastards.wordpress.com. Email us at innocuous.bastards at gmail.com. Welcome back from the 
break. Hope you made it a good one. Edgar, did you uh, do a number one or a number two? We don't know, and actually, we don't care. Um, so after, uh, well, before the break, rather, I alluded to, um, to wanting to know a little bit about uh, how the electoral voting will, will end up uh, happening. I think December 14 is the date to watch for, and that's when the electorates, or however you call them, electoral representatives, do get to vote per their, um, per the way their their state voted. Um, how does that? I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't know who would like to to talk to it. How does that whole thing go down, um, in terms of the whole electoral co college vote? So, for instance, here in Oregon, I think it's five votes, right? Here I, thought in Oregon, had, I thought we had seven here. Okay. So seven or votes. Six, so, our, so Oregon, of course, uh, Biden won or Oregon. So it's blue. Um, so that means all seven electoral delegates have to vote for Biden, correct? Yeah, by on, on paper. I mean, occasionally you'll have a, a faceless elector. Uh, that's kind of what happened back in uh, 2016. I think there was uh, one or two of them um, that Put, that put their vote to either, I can't remember if it was either Trump or, or to Hillary, but, you know, for the most, really what we're going through right now is you're, is we're in the process of all these elections being certified by the states. Once they're certified by the states, then it goes to Congress, and then they have kind of what's really been, for the most part, kind of a ceremonial Kind of thing where they they kind of validate i don't know exactly what they they call it but they they kind of a they affirm the electors uh from the electoral college there in congress everything is kind of wrapped up but you know i think there's a lot of fear out there that you know somehow the uh the gop the houses of, of the you know the, the state senates and, and uh, the houses are going to find some way of them changing the electors, you know, you can't do it. It's not, it's, it's illegal to, to do something like that. So all the talk that they have, uh, and they have, they're really, as, as, as you kind of alluded to before, they, uh, they don't have any basis for any of these lawsuits. I think Trump is like one, two of them out of like over 30 plus. And the ones that he won were only regarding uh, how, how close the observers could be uh, in the, uh, when they're counting the votes. So, you know, that's not really a win. They just got one thrown out yesterday in Pennsylvania and it was like humiliating how bad it was. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of talk and a lot of bluster and there's a lot of this and a lot of that. It's not going to end up working out. And Joe Biden will be president on January uh, 20th. But on a bigger and a bigger thing, what it does, what he's, what he's doing and his people are doing are undermining the, uh, the confidence in our electoral system in democracy. That's essentially what they're, they're doing here. And uh, Republicans who have not come out against it are emboldening that and enabling it. And they are just as just as evil as as what he is, and I, I think the reason why he's doing it's not because he wants he has some sort of greater plan. I think what it is is he knows that he's in a lot of trouble legally after this with regards to tax fraud and, and things going on with the Trump organization and his personal finances, and not just his, but 
Ivanka was recently mentioned in one of these, I think the Southern District of New York. And so what he's trying to do, he's trying to buy time to try to cover up as much of this shit as he can, while at the same time, uh, you know, pandering to his base and, you know, still getting some of the support that he used to. And in, in hopes of that somehow after the election, it'll be much more difficult to prosecute him. Uh, that's why he's so frantic. That's the reason why he's so worried is because this, this is going to be tying up pretty much the rest of his life. Um, he's going to be in, in court defending himself, not just from uh, failed venge- business ventures, but from the federal government coming come on after him. At least that's my opinion anyway. Hey, Gene, what are your thoughts? You know, this is all of this just being these spurious, you know, speculative lawsuits. I don't know if it's designed to cover up anything. I think it's just designed to keep his base angry and active for a the Georgia, the Georgia race races to keep people voting because this is going to come down to who decides uh, who runs, you know, who has control of the Senate. So it's trying to just keep them, keep his base all ginned up and drag this out. And I don't really think he's competent enough to like do a cover up. I mean, there's just, there's no expertise on his part to do such things. And, you know, the scary part is that somebody more competent maybe could have gotten away with it. So that's going to be part of Joe Biden's um, mandate is to maybe set up things so that this can be done again. And so I don't, I mean, this, like you see, you read what the, the judge said, this is just, he just basically shut it down and said, you're idiots for bringing this up. They're going to try and appeal it or something. And it's just, you know, there's no, you know, people have this mistaken impression that, oh, you send it to a judge and you get it to the right judge. And they're, if they're, you know, favor Trump that they're going to go away with it. No, it's like, there has to be a legal basis for these types of, of lawsuits. And that's where these are failing is because you can make any kind of accusation you want, but unless it has some uh, merit, the judges are just going to say no and be gone. And this, especially when you have somebody like Rudy Giuliani, who has <laughs> gone off the deep end along with the president. It's like the, the council that, that Trump has tried to use in various places like uh, legitimate law firms are all saying no. We're not, we're not taking this. So he's got Giuliani, who is just a brown-nosing uh, lackey doing this stuff, who really didn't even have any basis for representing in uh, Pennsylvania. He's not, he's, not a, you know, he's not licensed to do law in Pennsylvania, so he got some sort of an exception for that. But he's the only one that will take the case because there's nothing to it. And he, this guy has damaged his legacy beyond repair. Oh, yeah. Just like Trump has, <clears throat> excuse me. So, I, I guess I'm sort of not too worried about that. And and if there was some sort of a faithless elector, it wouldn't matter. It's uh, there there would be consequences for doing that, and mm-hmm. I think especially in this day and age, where if you were seen to be 
violating your oath to help this person out, there's not going to just be legal consequences. There's going to be societal, like they're going to know your name and they're going to know that you did this and you're kind of, you're not going to be able to just go to the store anymore, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm not too worried about faithless electors. I, and Mac, I don't, were there actually faithless electors in 2016 or was there just talk of that sort of thing happening? No, was I there, think there was one or two that actually, I don't remember exactly what happened with that. I know that the, I uh, my crack producer here behind me is telling me that it was five for Hillary and two for Donald Trump last time. Um, so, so it is possible. But again, we're not looking at uh, a margin of victory that is even close. And that's the whole thing about it. It's not even close. They're 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 all upset and, and you know, got their pennies in a bunch about you know, there's 1,700 votes that got overturned, not overturned, but they, they found 1,700 more votes in Georgia. Okay, woo, that's great. He's still down by over 12,000 votes. Uh, in Arizona, he's, he's down by more than, you know, at a fairly decent margin, even though it's, it's close. In Michigan, he's down by 140, almost 150,000 votes. In, Pen in Pennsylvania, I don't know what it is now. I mean, the last time I looked, it was almost 60,000 votes. And that was about a week and a half ago. So again, it's not like it's that close. And he, and I just looked at the popular vote total overall. And I go, again, that's not how we elect people. He's down by 6 million plus votes now, 6 million. And, and last time it was two, it was two, it was 2.9 million. So you're looking at a doubling of the vote. So even though he picked up more idiots to, to go vote for him, you know, Dem Democrats picked up way more votes uh than he did and they turned arizona blue and georgia blue so i mean it's it's the whole thing is just a it's just a shit show and you're seeing it starting to come out now where i think this morning chris 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 christie was uh, calling the, uh, the, the the trump legal team a national uh, embarrassment uh pat toomey a pennsylvania republican senator said hey it's time to it's time to throw in the towel and I think we're going to start seeing more of that. But again, the people who don't do it just because of they think Georgia is somehow going to be that, even though, I mean, it's highly likely that the Democrats are going to lose both of those, whether Trump is involved or not. At this point, what difference does it make? You have to stand up for the rest of the country and the Constitution and our electoral process. And so to me, the, the, the people who come out looking really bad in all this are the Republican leadership, the RNC and the Mitch uh, McConnells of the world and the Kevin McCarthy's, it's these people, they're, they're, just as com they're just as complicit. And I, and I hope that uh, in, 20, uh, in 2022, that it's, it's seen enough that uh, maybe we could pick up some uh, seats to kind of get, get these people out of the way. Yeah, I would not uh, be unhappy to see Bitch McConnell go, for sure, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, it goes out in a blaze of unglory. Uh, yes. So certified. So when a when a state certifies, what does that mean? So that means they're just because they've got the states have until twelve fourteen to certify, or do states have just another week or so to to certify? No, I think some states' deadlines are different, but I know, like, for instance, Michigan is tomorrow. I think that's the deadline that they have. Uh, Georgia already certified theirs. Right, Georgia um, certified. 
Yeah. So I think it, I think it's just a matter of where, uh, whatever the deadlines are, I think we're getting pretty close to all those deadlines for most, for uh, most states and especially in the states that are the so-called battleground states. I don't think there's anything that's going to stop those. Uh, uh, yeah, I think it's usually the secretary of state. Uh, you know, they kind of, they have to count certify and then it goes to the governor to sign. I think that's how it works. Uh, I'm not hundred percent on all the policies and procedures. I just know by the time we get to it, even if you have 10 faithless electors or 20 faith, even if you have 50, it doesn't matter. He's down by, you know, well, I guess it wouldn't matter at, at some, at, at some point there's, there's a tipping point, but you're not going to see that happening. You know, there, there may be a few here and there uh, as there was in 2016, but uh, you can't credibly claim. And I think it, even they were saying that 70% of, of Republicans, uh, you know, believe that there was some type of voter fraud, that's still 30% more of those Republicans who don't believe that. And I think as, as, as the time goes on, more and more, are, you know, you're going to see it float eventually down to that 35% of, of, of core Republicans, maybe 40%, are, are going to say, yeah, there was something here. But everybody else is like, yeah, there's, it, they haven't shown any evidence. I'm, I'm, I'm not buying it. Uh, it's time to move on. Yeah. Well, and I think as far as all of these claims about fraud, whatever that you know all the the shenanigans are trying to claim is that the basis in in fact is that yeah the election the election was rigged and the, the election was rigged in donald trump's favor okay the whole electoral college that is favoring him okay so his claims are just and you also you being an incumbent gives you an advantage so, so both of those things working to his favor, and he still lost, and that's something that that Republicans or conservative voters that voted for him need to realize is that this he it was rigged in his favor, and he still lost. Yep, big bigly. <laughs> I mean, really, when you look at it, it is a landslide in a lot of ways. I mean, this, the, the states that we thought might turn blue, you know, there was a few that did, Georgia and Arizona, those I thought all along would. Uh, Texas, I was hopeful for a little bit closer. Florida, you know, I think it shows that, uh, you know, the Democrats have a long way to go. Uh, it was kind of interesting to look into the, the dynamic of the so-called Latino vote. It's so fragmented and there's so many different ways that people think uh, within that kind of generic overall term it's not even close to being the same and latino is not just a latino vote there's different ways that they look at things so i mean that's some minutiae for the next election hopefully they can improve that and, and improve their messaging but look at that overall i mean i think americans said we're done with this we're time to move on to the next and, you know, hope, and, and, you know, it's not just the pandemic. I still think that even with the, uh, without the pandemic, that um, there was a good chance that Biden could have won just because he's the type of guy who could, who can touch on the stuff that matters most to Americans uh, at, you know, the end of the day. And, and one of the things I really hope is that the Democrats can avoid just becoming generic moderates 
at the same time, I heard a lot of people say, well, it's good because of the, the moderate, and it is good to be moderate in all things uh, in general, but looking at it, you know, the American people don't know the difference between socialism and communism. Those two things are similar, but they are not the same. Uh, you know, for instance, it, so socialism allows you to keep private property. It uh, does not call for a revolution to take over the, you know, uh, the government. Uh, it does call for, um, you know, government run uh, business and economic policy, but with the communist, a communist policy says you don't have any private pol uh, property and, and the government will run everything. So it, it, there's, it, there's, there's the things I need to understand is that America is already socialist in a lot of ways. Uh, the, the steel industry, the farming industry, uh, there's lots of different industries that are already subsidized by the government and, and essentially run by the government. And the sooner we can get that and, Medicare and, and Medicaid, those types of things are not capitalist, pure capitalist stuff. So I think the, the education of, of what it is they're, they're trying to do, the, the policies they wanna enact and how they're gonna benefit people. I think now if you can get rid of a guy, a reality show guy that you know people are getting all wrapped up in the drama, but he just gets you an actual debate. I think at that point, you can actually win that debate if it's about policy. One of the most uh, favorite tweets that I've seen recently is from a Trumpian who tweeted something to the effect of Biden's going to take, it's only going to take Biden four months to undo all the things that, that President Donald Trump did in four years. And somebody replied, Good. isn't that the point? But uh, definitely uh, appreciate, uh, appreciate you guys' thoughts regarding the Electoral College voting and, and all that is um, I've, already made perfectly clear uh, over the course of nine plus episodes. This, is my, this was my first presidential election. And so just kind of learning a little bit more and more, uh, you know, definitely opened my eyes to, to, a lot of, to a lot of things and in a lot of different ways. Definitely was not expecting myself to become uh, a political animal. And not that I've really gotten to that, to that main point yet, but, but I You are an animal though. I am an animal, but, but in terms of just the way politics works, uh, especially here in the in local to Portland, local to Multnomah County, I've definitely uh, been a little bit. I've paid a lot more uh, attention to uh, to it. Absolutely, especially in going back, harkening back to part of the uh, first part of our our, our episode today. We're talking about Alena, uh, uh, Commissioner Joanne Hardesty, uh, got into some hot water recently because she uh, was coming back from Alena Casino in a lift, and um, and then she ended up misusing 911 it's actually quite uh, amazing and actually um uh you know i i, I tried to start a twitter war with her but she was she didn't uh, she didn't bite um but uh, <laughs> i love the fact that i bet I, you she does bite though <laughs> <laughs> absolutely one one look at that i'm like oh yeah gotta, gotta protect mm. but uh thank you and when we come back from break we'll uh we'll, we'll turn um when we come back from break well, we have, to, we have to take a quick break anyway. But we may have a surprise. When we come back from break, um, we'll shift things. So we start, we'll stop talking about COVID. We'll stop talking about um, politics for a little bit because we want to kind of bring back uh, a little bit of what IB, what Innocuous Bastards was before, before, before Trump, BT. 
So uh, we'll be we'll take a little break and we'll be right back. Welcome back from the break. Hope you made it an enjoyable one. So, kind of getting back, we're gonna wrap things up here uh, in in a in a minute. But uh, before we do, want to kind of just uh, get uh, get our audience in gear for the upcoming holiday season. We alluded to that early on in the show that uh, the holiday season is upon us, and uh, there's certain things that will not they'll be the same. But there's a lot that might be a little different, maybe vice versa for a few people. But um, but certainly Thanksgiving and, and Christmas will be very different for me this year. I was t- talking to uh, somebody the other day that I, and I basically uh, revealed that I haven't seen my parents in person since last Christmas, you know, uh, and they just, and they're literally just two and a half hour drive from me, but, but, you know, because COVID want to limit um, exposure and want to make sure that we're, we keep each other safe. And we decided as a family uh, but at least a month, a little over a month ago that we were just going to do, um, well, first of all, Thanksgiving, we're going to do things virtually. Um, the original thought that I, that, that I was, well, actually the thing that I was afraid of was that we were going to eat, you know, do a zoom call for two hours while we watch one another eat. Thankfully, that's not what's, what's going to (laughs) happen. What instead is happening is that we will do a zoom call at 11 a.m. Pacific PM Eastern um, for just, uh, just, you know, just kind of wishing one another happy Thanksgiving, blah, blah, blah. I don't even know how, I don't have the, uh, the agenda, uh, quite yet, but I'm, apparently I'm leading it. I think I'm leading it. And then, and then we'll go our separate ways for that, for that day. You know, there's some that are going to be doing, uh, their Thanksgiving dinner. My parents are going to do, uh, just, you know, with themselves, um, and, you know, just kind of doing our own thing. What's, what's your, what's your Thanksgiving plan, Mac? Yeah, I mean, we um, normally we do a lot of cooking, you know, the turkey and the potatoes and the green bean casserole and all that kind of good stuff. And we have folks come over from three or four different households pile into our little plot over here. Uh, and I love it because there's, foot, there's football and there's the smell of the turkey and you got people around who are pretty decent. And I think all those things are 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 good uh, but this year it's a little different uh we were, were we're ordering i can't remember where we're getting the food from it's expensive though and we're getting stuff that i you're not getting a whole turkey getting a, a turkey breast and there's going to be some rotten potatoes and different things than we're used to having and you know i'm not going to have my my older son over uh we're not going to have the other family come over either it's just for it's just, it is what it is. You know, I think uh, there could be ways of doing things virtually also. I, I agree it could end up in a, a real weird situation where you're just watching other people eat. And, you know, if that's, if that's, the, if that's how it is, we probably won't do that. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the big, going to be the way it is. It's a sacrifice we all got to make. And, you know, I think uh, at the end of the day, it, it's going to keep people safe. And uh, no, hope, hopefully keep people safe. You know, again, if they if they go out and do the stupid shit that so many Americans are going to do, then I guess that's on them. But I feel like it's it's going to be a little weird. It really be it'll be the first time in over twenty years that things have been different like that. Yeah, for sure. 
AG, what's Thanksgiving going to look like on your end? Just uh, me and the mom unit, and uh, we're going to skip the turkey and Thanksgiving, or I mean the stuffing and all that stuff. We're going to do ham and scalloped potatoes. So I do miss the turkey, but it's a lot of work for two people. So this is a lower, lower intensive meal to make and one that I enjoy. And it feels, you know, ham and scalloped potatoes feels like a holiday meal to me. So uh, other than that, just laying low, probably watching some football, I've got some fantasy football concerns and <laughs> there's not going to be anywhere to go. So, uh, you know, if it's safe or a nice day, maybe I would try to go to the disc golf course, but I don't have any faith that that's going to play out. So it's just going to be home, staying cozy, maybe have a little fire and just, you know, enjoy the quietness, hopefully, and, you know, not feel the, not feel any enjoy the silence. Yeah. And <laughs> not feel any, any obligation or pressure to go out, which is kind of a nice thing these days. Yeah, for sure. And actually, uh, I, I, I think I've heard that a lot of grocery stores are selling their turkey and turkey pieces rather than the whole bird um, in basically in, a, in, in um, to support that many people will not be doing full bird parties, that it's, it's going to be, you know, single families and, uh, and individuals, maybe just pairs doing their, doing their Thanksgiving thing. I, I, I get it with the ham, but for some reason I always associated ham with Christmas. Yeah. Uh, Turkey is Turkey is Thanksgiving, but I get that yeah. you know definitely things have to change. Um, I mean, my plan is to just go to Taco Bell and just but <laughs> get a big box, <laughs> get one of the big boxes, you know, because that's Thanksgiving. It's a Thanksgiving box. I'm just kidding. they will bring it to you. They will bring you the party pack nacho set. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Wait, it's it's weird though, right? Because they're advertising this thing which is meant for a lot of people to share and to put their hands in and to be close to each other. That's their new, that's their new thing. It's like, okay, thank you, Taco Bell. Well, it's that, or they're assuming that people are going to get wasted uh, and be really hungry. And so at that point, a 10 pack of tacos isn't even that much. That's just like the first course. If you're really drunk, you're going to have a couple of those. I do have some breaking news though. Apparently where we are getting the food from is Elephant's Deli. Oh. Uh, delicatessen. Yes. Expensive and bougie uh, but i'm looking forward to it nonetheless yeah it's uh it's definitely going to be a very different thanksgiving for for many people and uh and hopefully it's something that people can kind of look back on and hey there's the reason why we the thanksgiving is different this year and uh you know hopefully we again we it bears fruit in the sense of you know, if people are kind of doing uh, their, their small gatherings at home, just no more than two households in the state of Oregon um, and, and really helping to curb this virus. That's uh, I'm cool with that for sure. Oh, so 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 is that the recommendation is no more than two? I didn't look at the recommendation. Uh, the recommendation is no more, no larger than six people in a in a in an interior space. And if it's a gathering, it's from no more than two households. So your okay. own in another household just to kind of help minimize the, I guess, minimize con contracting it and also help uh, spreading it. But I think it was funny 
Governor Brown was interviewed, I think, on CNN or or what what ha- what have you, and the anchor asked her, "So, what are your Thanksgiving plans?" And she, you know, she said, "Oh yeah, well, you know, it's going to be me and my husband and our little dog and our daughter's coming up from college and oh, her boyfriend's coming from yada yada." And the CNN guy was like, "Hey, wait, that's more isn't than- that more than two households?" <laughs> Um, okay. Well, did you see what happened to Governor Newsom? Also, apparently, he got caught with a couple things. So, one, he attended some sort of fancy dress bullshit French party, French laundry, or something like that, with, with other people without masks. And then, uh, I guess his kid may have it now or something. So, what's annoying to me is all the the, the Democratic leaders who act all holier than thou, and yet they do the same stupid shit that we're, they're telling other people not to do. You know, that's the problem that I have with them. The Gavin Newsom guy is a real douchebag. And the fact that Kate Brown is telling everybody, you know, don't do that. But but I'm going to have all these people and and the the boyfriend come up. Like, are you out of your goddamn mind? Do do they not have anybody looking at Does they not have anybody who is like good with PR? Because even if you are doing that, probably shouldn't be caught by the CNN anchor on TV. Exactly. Nancy Pelosi getting her hair done in the place. I was like, oh, they told me it was fine. I didn't have a mask on here. It's no problem at all. Um, And actually, that accent brought me to something really quick uh, that is very sad. And that is uh, we should acknowledge the passing of Alex Trebek just briefly. Uh, That is a sad thing. Uh, I grew up watching Jeopardy from watching on the black and white TV. That's, I mean, that's how long the guy but, you know, has been doing it. Uh, and it does remind me of the, I think it's Will Ferrell who played, uh, I don't know, was, was he Trebek? Who's the guy who played Sean Connery? I think Will Ferrell was Trebek and the other guy, but that was the only, I didn't like SNL back in those days, but that was one of the funniest bits ever was the uh, Sean Connery, Alex Trebek sort of back and forth stuff. Yeah, Trebek, uh, the passing of Trebek definitely was was felt. Uh, you were going to say something there, AG. Sorry, I didn't mean to. We lost we lost Connery and Trebek in the same week. Right. So they go down in history as going together. But I was thinking as far as uh, one last thing we can do for our listeners is to provide some recommendations for their holiday break, something you can watch or read or listen to mm. to help uh, get you through what's going to undoubtedly be or most likely to be a unique holiday in all of our experiences. I think there's my a recommendation. Go ahead, Deji. Well, it's good because oh, at no, first no, I thought you say it's going to be the worst holiday ever. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Deji. My recommendation is there's a sketch show on netflix called auntie donna's big house of fun and it's pretty it's very interesting it's kind of goes off the deep end at some points but i love it and it's three australian guys and there's a bunch of sort of guest stars and and it just kind of goes off the rails in beautiful ways mac well i think that Netflix and chill is going to be back again for sure. Uh, a couple of things we've been watching recently. The I actually really like that is season four of the crown. 
Yes. Extremely good. Uh, better than expected. I, 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 I watched it at first kind of begrudgingly, but then I really got into it. And so I was really, really, really happy with it. And then the, um, uh, was that? Oh yes. The, uh, Queens, Queens Gambit. Uh, the one with the, the gal who's the chess champion, uh, or the chess, uh, the company who savant is- or whatever was really, really good. Also, I highly recommend that one. Bobby, uh, Fischer. It, what's that? Never mind. You didn't, you don't recognize that one? No. The Queen's Gambit. Look it up. It's on Netflix. It's really good. It's definitely in the top 10. It's about a gal who grew up, uh, um, you know, her mom and dad are crazy. A lot of bad family stuff. Ended up in an orphanage, learning chess from the janitor, but having kind of the mindset, uh, along with some psychedelic drugs, I think probably that they were giving her <laughs> at the time to kind of imagine the, the chess board on the, the ceiling, but actually ended up winning uh, it's clearly fictional, but it still ended up winning the chess championship from the, this Russian guy back in the Cold War times. So it's really good. It's actually really, really good. Uh, and then uh, one we just saw the other night, which is kind of interesting, was is the it's the chat was the champion. Uh, we of the champions, where you have it kind of goes into weird uh, competitions all over the world. So one. The first one, I think I stayed awake for. I didn't get to see the second one. I think I fell asleep. It was the Cheese Rolling Championship, or they roll, I think it's in England somewhere in Gloucester. 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 Uh, where they roll a, a cheese a cheese roll down a hill, and you got to, it's not to catch the cheese roll, it's to actually outrun the cheese, uh, the cheese wheel, sorry, and to beat your other competitors. But it ends up with a lot of people getting hurt. Uh, repeatedly, it's actually really interesting stuff. And there's like a pepper challenge also yeah. where the hill, is like as steep as a mountain, the hill is as steep as a mountain, according to the producer. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's really good stuff. I think that this is the time of year. To, I mean, you look outside if you happen to be, if you do go back and, and see our our Zoom some, or just listen to the show. It is cold today, and I don't want to go anywhere. Uh, and and so why not watch some of those shows? Yeah, definitely. It, it calls for uh, staying indoors, um, regardless of the regardless of the weather, whether it's whether there's precipitation or not. It is cold outside. Uh, and unless you are the uh, of the ilk to uh, to enjoy that fully, the day of the Thanksgiving day and the day after Thanksgiving is all for, I think, staying indoors and watching quality, uh, quality TV or quality movies. I actually just recently got into The Mandalorian. Because I finally just jumped on the wagon on that one. And I don't know why I I was hesitating. It's actually a very good show. So um, I think it's only, well, it's only eight episodes the first season. So I'm getting ready to watch uh, season two. But the other thing that I do, I feel like, I I don't know why, but I associate around Thanksgiving always is gangster films like Godfather, (laughs) uh, Goodfellas, uh, Untouchables. Like a lot of those like gangster films, I, I like watching um, not necessarily on Thanksgiving Day, but at least a day after. Because, I mean, it's a four-day weekend, right? So sometimes you kind of just have to fill, fill your time. But I, I kind of uh, see, seem like I've always um, watched gangster films. So that's I think I'm going to have that on the docket. I did watch the other day because it just showed up on Amazon Prime, uh, this film called Gotti, G-O-T-T-I. Mm-hmm. It's about, you know, John Gotti, famous gangster uh, and mobster in New York City. 
Um, the Teflon Don, the original. Teflon Don, right? You know, and it was a uh, it's a film in 2018. John Travolta played Gotti. Uh, it actually, you know, if you if you look past all the stupid stuff, it's actually a pretty interesting story. And uh, I don't think they did a good job with it, really, from bringing it to life. But it was again just another gangster film that I kind of hung on to. Uh, but it's funny because I just learned that it has a zero rate zero percent rating on rotten tomatoes <laughs> which is that is not surprising one of the few films to hold that and it's and it had uh the worst picture and worst actor awards from the golden raspberry awards third nine world golden raspberry awards um anyway so but but if you can look past all that i think it's a good it's a good film to just kind of you know waste waste an hour and a half on or whatever well, I feel like at some point we should probably provide our recommendations for the, some of the worst films ever made. Uh, I would say that, what was that one where uh, John Revolting was like an alien guy? It was all tied into like the, the Battlefield science. Huh? Battlefield. Battle, yeah, exactly that one. It, how does that guy do that stuff and then does like Pulp Fiction and some of the other stuff that he's done that's actually really good? Like, does he have no shame or does he just not realize he's acting terribly or that it's a well, stupid storyline all right fine so we'll channel joe macapu uh for that segment at, at, at a future show where we talk about movies but uh until then mac happy thanksgiving to you and yours ag happy thanksgiving to you and yours and to our listeners enjoy your thanksgiving holiday we'll be we'll see you again in two weeks good night good night